Technology is redefining every aspect of our world and every aspect of our industry. We've been talking about it over and over and over. You know I'm fascinated by this intersection of hospitality and tech. My guest on today's show is a woman named Danielle McCusker, and she has created something really brilliant, uh, an Airbnb for commercial kitchens, if you will, or an Airbnb for restaurant space, uh, matching up uh, owners of commercial kitchens, owners of event spaces and restaurants, and uh, and uh, Producers, chefs, uh, uh, maitre d's, uh, restaurant owners or, or uh, prospective restaurant owners, ambitious uh, restaurant owners who, who just need a place for their pop-up kitchen. They need a place to execute their virtual uh, their virtual concept. They need a place to prep their catering. Uh, she's uh, created a, a piece of software, a website, uh, that matches those two parties, and I think it's awesome. I cannot wait to hear uh, for you to hear from her. Stick around. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast all about helping chefs and operators build more profitable restaurants. Each week we toggle back and forth between a monologue style format and then an interview, but the goal is always the same, to take complicated concepts, whether on the marketing side or on the operations side, and make them both understandable and actionable. Why? Because like I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. So my guest on today's show is Danielle McCusker. She is the founder and CEO of a company called Pure Brands. They're based out of Denver. It's a very cool thing she's doing. Uh, this whole year, I'm, I'm trying to spend a lot of time uh, talking about diversified revenue streams and new business models, and, and she very much embodies this whole spirit. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chip, for having me on board. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, we had uh, been introduced uh, on Clubhouse. I feel like uh, so many of the people that I meet are on Clubhouse. Um, and someone kind of tapped me on the shoulder, um, metaphorically speaking, and said, "You you got to you got to talk to her. She's building something really cool, and you're gonna you're gonna really love it." And uh, so I did. I reached out to you. We had a couple of phone calls, and uh, and I think it really is cool what you're building. So before, because I want to go back, and I want to talk to like I want to talk about how you got into this and kind of your history in the industry and all that. But I, I want to give context for the people listening. Talk about what you're building. What is Pure Brands um, and what prompted you to build it? And let's use that as the jumping off point. Okay, so Pure Brands is basically a software as a service company. And what we're doing is monetizing space for small businesses and nonprofits. And what I mean by that is we strongly believe that our communities have plenty of resources that are going unused and untapped. So we've been going in to these small businesses and nonprofits and saying, hey, what are you doing with that empty room? What are you doing with your commercial kitchen? Why are we not using these assets or your capital expenditures all of the time? So we go in and monetize that for small businesses and nonprofits. What I mean, I I love it. Uh, I told you that privately. I'm telling you that now publicly. I think it's uh, I think it's really cool. I think it's long overdue. I think it's a really special thing you're building. Where did you Where did you get this spark of an idea to to start this? So originally, I um, I've always worked in the restaurant industry, anywhere from a host all the way to a cook and management, um, corporate or even small businesses. And I myself wanted to go start a healthy fast food restaurant, and I was dead set on it. I even went to college, and as I studied business management and entrepreneurship, I always focused on the restaurant industry. And so, what I mean by that is, we had a crisis management course on pulling out McDonald's to study. And so during that time I was at college, I ended up flipping my house and I sold it. And I was like, here I go. I'm going to go start this healthy fast food restaurant. And as, after about a year of uh, looking for a location, it was really hard to find one. And I was completely heartbroken and distraught. Like, what am I going to do next? Like, you just sold your house. You can't find a location for this restaurant. You've been studying this industry and working in this industry for 
for years now. Uh, what do you do? And at that time, I was talking to my friend who owned a couple restaurants, and she just looked at me and was like, I don't know why you're not talking to a friend that has a kitchen. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of a good idea. Can we share kitchen space? Is this legal? And it turns out it is. And so I had solved my problem. I was going to be able to uh, start my restaurant and more importantly, organically. I didn't need all these high startup costs um, and I didn't need a bunch of capital to start. And I just thought to myself, like, if I'm having this problem, everyone else I know is having this problem. I just discovered a solution so what i did is pivot and i built the software and we originally launched launched with restaurant pure which is basically applying the sharing economy to the restaurant industry and from there it grew into pure brands because we've now branched out to monetize all types of spaces not just commercial kitchens so i love this but i want to back up so you're studying you know entrepreneurship and innovation in school and you then start building what is a very sort of traditional model or you start building it on a traditional model it it sounds like a, a happy accident that you couldn't quite find uh the space why why couldn't you find the space i want to start there what 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 was keeping you what was keeping you from because surely there must have been spaces out there they just weren't the right space right if i'm going to implement um it had to it had to convert from healthy fast food because uh in denver's market doing a drive-through you're probably going to need at least 1.5 million um so now we're looking at a fast casual type business model and when i'm going for 100 locally sourced uh, usd organic uh stuff like that i need a specific target audience that's going to pay for my food and, and, and enjoy it and any location i found didn't quite meet that criteria so i'm like mm, how good is my team going to be how well am i going to be at marketing um and it, i mean i was cutting cutting it kind of slim like well i don't know you know <laughs> i did find one and okay so they met all the income dem demographics and and other demographics but the, it was predominantly uh 60 60 years old or older and so i i did uh, my background's marketing and so i did some market research and while they do care about their health not enough to pay my price point right so i was like okay this location's not gonna work um but ultimately uh in denver denver's market just like probably any a lot of major city markets small businesses have been priced out you can no longer mortgage or even sell a home anymore and that's just absurd like what's happening to our small businesses so you know i was more than happy to pivot um and then what a year later the the pandemic hit and you kind of go oh wow you know <laughs> like yeah i couldn't imagine what situation i would be in at that moment and i'm still able to fulfill my goal of getting you know affordable healthy food into food deserts but through my business model now by helping small businesses launch in those areas so yeah so so really what made all this possible i mean ghost kitchens virtual restaurants were starting to pop up uh, certainly pre-pandemic we were i remember really hearing about them all through 2019 and and going and touring a couple of things um it's kind of a big operation up in connecticut that was really interesting to see and, and so they were they were definitely coming but then the pandemic hit and kind of pushed them over so so really that's that's part of what you're you're talking about here am i am i wrong to a sense so um i can monetize a commercial commercial kitchen more in in just a virtual restaurant um a business model I'll, t I put, I'll put a virtual restaurant and a commercial kitchen but then i'm also going to have a baker using it overnight and maybe a consumer packaged good manufacturer using this space so i'm monetizing that commercial kitchen space 24 7. And so, um, so that's great if we have an empty kitchen, but what about, you know, our current small businesses are struggling. Uh, um, roughly, uh, most of our small businesses use their commercial kitchen less than 50% of the time and same with our nonprofit organizations. So how do we now let small businesses flourish by simply creating a connection with those kitchens that aren't being utilized all the time? Yeah, I love this because it solves, I mean, it, it literally is a win-win. So there's a, 
there's a business who's paying rent 24 hours a day, but underutilizing their square footage. And there's somebody else who does not need it 24 hours a day, might just need it four hours a day or six hours a day, uh, that for them to go out and find their own space, uh, either, you know, take out space in a, in a uh, commercial kitchen or build a commissary or something like that makes no sense. Um, so you're really kind of scratching the itches on both sides, right? Absolutely. We're solving problems for both sets of customers by simple, by simply connecting them. So how did you, so, okay, so you start with your own brand and you end up kind of going in and, and leasing space or, or, you know, co-working to get your own brand off the, off the, uh, off the ground. Talk to me at what point and be specific. Cause I really want to understand this. I always love, um, I always love to understand the the kind of genef- the the genesis of the idea or genesis of a thought. W- at what point did you go like, oh, this isn't the business I'm supposed to be doing. This over here is actually the business that I'm supposed to be doing. Can you think back there? Yeah, absolutely. The minute my friend offered for me to share her commercial kitchen space, at that time I was working on my master's at Regis, and I was like, uh, I think I just stumbled upon a problem, and I just figured out an amazing solution. So how do I do it? And then I immediately picked up an innovation course. Um, and during this innovation course, every student got to pitch their business idea and then everyone voted and I actually won. So I had a team of graduate students that helped me uh, build out the business plan. And then I immediately after that class hit the ground running and started knocking on doors um, saying, hey, do you got a kitchen? <laughs> you know. And after many knocks, I finally got my foot in the door and um, they accepted me to their board meeting and we had the meeting and they said, well, let's give it a shot. And so the agreement was, is I would put refrigeration into their kitchen and they would help call their friends when I'm done. And so I did, I put in refrigeration, but I went above and beyond. I painted it, I degreased it, I got all the equipment ready and bam, I had my first kitchen and they were so happy just with that short period of time with working with me, they called their nonprofit friends. So now I'm sitting there like, okay, I got my first location. Well, that turned into be 15. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, we're on a roll, you know? And so, um, okay, now we have a business model. Now we have customers. And through that, I'm just going to backtrack for one second. My, yeah. my same friend offered to share her kitchen. I had another friend that had an ice cream shop and both of them were like, no, we could really use this service. The ice cream shop was a franchisee. They gave her some support in the beginning and she didn't account for the seasonality of her products. So her, her sales are going to go down in winter. And she's like, why can't, you know, what do I do? Like, well, you could share your kitchen. And unfortunately, before I had a chance to match them, both of them lost their business and their homes. And so I kind of promised myself at that point, not on my watch, not again. Like if you fail, it's going to be because you are not putting in the effort, not because there's not options or people out there that's willing to help you. And so that's what, you know, really drove me forward. Yeah, it's really cool. So talk to me how it's, so talk to me one to 15. Okay. That's an explosion. Talk to me about where it went from there. Well, from there, um, once again, this was just an idea. We're getting ready to go, but I had to develop the software because that's really the tool that helps me, you know, make the connections and being my backgrounds, marketing and, um, entrepreneurship and executive management. I didn't know anything about technology. So I little did I know I had about two years of a learning curve and I better learn quick because, um, you know, one is uh, software is expensive to develop and two if you don't know about it you're you don't know what you're ordering and what you're going to get so um i had several different attempts where i built something or hired someone and and i take it to my core customers that gave me my first chance and they're like no it's not going to work okay let's build something else that's not going to work so after four times i brought them something they go that's gonna work and so i go all right all right let's start onboarding let's start doing this and and that's pretty much um where we went and then i think i launched the company with a thousand dollar marketing budget and was able to capture um another 25 locations and this was during the like when the pandemic just first hit so you know now we have all this commercial kitchens that are going in news and so we hit the ground running and started matching people and um you know, we're getting ready to expand again. So, so talk to me about the specifics of your 
customer base, the people that are using this, in your in your experience as you've watched this thing grow, who's who's renting the space? I mean, you said nonprofits and small businesses, but 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 who's who's utilizing these these kitchens? So who utilizes them are going to be well, we're the first mover that's opened it up to the public. So anyone over eighteen can now look, book, and cook in a commercial kitchen. So we've opened up access to the general public, which hasn't been done before. Um, so your mom that needs to bake a million cupcakes for their kid's birthday and you know the kids are running around and you just want a larger kitchen, um, they can now just book one. And so we have that as a customer base as far as uh, the general public, but my um, your food trucks, your caterers, your bakers, your consumer packaged good manufacturers all utilize the service. So before we came along, the general um, process for these individuals is is that they have to go to these buildings they're called commissaries that have multiple kitchen units or one big kitchen with different types of equipment and they all kind of share the space in the Denver market there was only seven of these commissaries to service all of our small businesses and some of them would have to travel 30 miles every morning and every night to unload and prep and do whatever they need to do and to me it just boggled my mind because I know there's a commercial kitchen in their neighborhood so why are we doing it this, this, this doesn't make any sense anymore. And so um, I, you know, constantly get people coming out of those commissaries to sign up for the service because they get a private commissary closer to their home. So. Yeah. Talk to me about how this has grown, because you said it started off with restaurants and now it's grown beyond. I, I don't want to wander too far from the restaurants, but I am curious to know how it's grown and, and what other sort of companies you're partnering with and what are sort of like uses you're finding for this software. Absolutely. So when I started booking out the commercial kitchen space, my customers came to me and they said, well, we have event halls. And I'm like, you sure do. And I'm like, you also got parking lots. And they're like, we sure do. And I go, okay, well, the most, the best thing about technology is that once you build it, you could use that same code and do the same type of functions with it. So it's a simple duplication for me to enter into any other industry at this point. Um, so they wanted to list their event space i said believe it or not parking's in demand too um we could do pop-up restaurants we could do farmers markets we could do whatever <clears throat> so i gladly was happy to build the event side of things because i my goal is to create these you know cyclical ecosystems with our small businesses and nonprofits. So now when someone's booking my event space for a wedding, guess what? I got a private chef in that kitchen or I know some food trucks. So now I'm giving gigs to my small businesses that use my platform. So we're creating, we're creating, we're just keeping it local. So then, yeah. So, I mean, so talk to me about like, I mean, the events, you know, the event hall, that makes sense to me. The the pop-ups are, are of particular interest to me because on the one side, you started off on like the production side and now, you know, it's the execution, the service side. So talk to me about how people are usual, utilizing, you know, the service for, you know, pop-up concepts. Okay. Yes, definitely. I had a chef that wanted to do a pop-up restaurant. Uh, he was booking out one of my kitchens. So they would just pay a little bit more for the event space. What he ended up doing is actually contacting a lot of other small vendors that make candles or hot sauce and so on and so forth. He sold um, each each table for 50 bucks, which ended up covering the cost of the event space. And now we have a pop-up restaurant with most uh, a bunch of vendors. And then customers came in to eat. Uh, he teamed up with a seafood company that day and they just threw down a bunch of seafood and all the small vendors got some sales, almost kind of like a farmer market style. And they also raised $800 for one of my veterans organizations. So it was just, it, it was community connection once again. So once they start diving into the service they start seeing how they could use the service in other ways to to grow themselves so not just pop-up restaurants um hey i'm looking to tackle I, I you know i might want to start a restaurant in a different part of town they could actually book one of my kitchens penetrate the market and see what type of demand they get prior to investing in some type of brick and mortar so they do things like that yeah, I mean, this is the future of restaurants. I mean, it's just, I mean, like you said earlier in this conversation, it's so expensive. The startup costs are uh, exorbitant, uh, certainly in any um, in any sort of urban market here. I mean, I live in New York, you're in Denver, you've got, you know, L.A., Chicago, uh, you know, on and on and on. It's expensive. And, um, 
And the idea that you got to spend all this money to put it out there before you've even really validated the idea. Um, I love the idea of this because um, because I think I think we can be smarter in the restaurant industry. I think we can um, be more measured uh, than we've been. Um, and, I, and I think obviously the uh, the environment. Uh, post pandemic is gonna is gonna be such that uh, that we're wanna that we're gonna we're gonna want to be cautious in the areas that we we can be cautious. Tell me what are some of the uses of this thing because this is one of these. I mean, what you've what you've built, um, you know, you own it and then you give it away and then people, you know, people make it their own. I always say this with restaurants, like you know, hold on to the restaurant as long as possible because once you give it away, it's no longer yours because people are going to use it in the way that they want to use it, not necessarily in the way that you think they should use it. So, talk to me about some of the kind of surprising uses of the software that you, you like never, never envisioned before watching your clients, watching people kind of use it for their own purposes. So what happens, it's amazing what happens once you find a connection. I've had um, someone that I connected with just, a, it was a food truck um, and a corporate caterer. I matched them to share the space. They are now partnering up to do a virtual restaurant together because they've been working together six months. It's a healthy business relationship. So now they're going to spread the risk about starting a restaurant together, um, combine both their uh, you know knowledge and and strategies together and start a virtual restaurant so i see growth i also see that um you know you mentioned earlier this this launch of the cloud kitchens or the virtual restaurants and dark kitchens whatever name you want to put on it it hasn't had the best impact for small business restaurateurs they don't get orders coming in constantly. This isn't a solution for them. In fact, it actually cuts into their margins and they have to raise their prices and they're really struggling, but they also need to reach certain customers. And so with this system, because I removed the barriers of no long-term contracts and you could just book as you need, I've had restaurateurs that have gotten finance and were like, we're going to you launch this virtual restaurant and make it and then once again they haven't validated the idea they haven't gone through the learning curve and instead of being like hey we're out of business i just get a call and they're like hey we're, we're going to cut our hours to two days a week and in, in the evening cool you just dropped yeah. your rent thousands of dollars and you're not going out of business you know and so that makes me excited because they have that type of flexibility now so that they can handle um customers when they have them and when they don't have them they just decrease their hours and it doesn't really do any harm to their business so i think this thing is so cool what you're building talk to me about the growth here because Obviously, it started there in your market in, in Denver. Has it grown beyond the city? Yeah, so I get calls all the time. And I was fortunate enough when I started, um, my foundational uh, group of nonprofits actually had a, a nationwide network of commercial kitchens. So I'm sitting there like, oh, wow. I kind of like my one of my first goals was to create a nationwide network of commercial kitchens. And I did it before launching. And so it's like, OK, we've proven this business model. We've run it now for a year here in Colorado Live. Um, and I can tell you my terms of service has drastically grown. Right. Like you, mm -hmm. you, you learn some things and you got to make some modifications. And now we have fully automated our back end customer service part and we're ready to scale. I just I just I pressed the button on Monday chip i said we're going we're scaling we're not only are we tackling um other target audiences so we just started hitting our religious segment we had huge um response rates on that but we're also going geographically so i've gotten um kitchens that want to sign up in asia again i get calls from new york i get calls from everywhere but i i just wanted to stay focused and kind of run our processes and, and kind of fine to it before we just go you know crazy with it um yeah and so you know we stayed really disciplined and i owe my team my team that because as an entrepreneur you're kind of like you know yeah let's go let's go and uh my team's like hey let's just smooth this out and yeah <laughs> we'll right now. and i'm like all right fine you know and so um but finally we had a meeting and they're like nope let's do it it's time and i'm like yes um so we are i mean we're in idaho i just hired um out in arizona we get calls from california new york's a heavy one uh florida's a heavy one tennessee i mean minnesota we get them all over 
And now is that so that that's up on the site? You can go and find places in uh, in all of those markets. No, no, you can only find them in Denver. You will find those very soon, though. So it's uh, just yep. It's it takes about I would tell you it takes me about four weeks once I. Um, um, make the phone calls to my nonprofits and in whatever particular area to get them onboarded. Great. So that's kind of the that's like a 2022 thing. Right. Absolutely. Um, expansion geographically and into different target audiences um, that have commercial kitchens and space going unused. So talk to me about that. Like, what do you mean by different target uh, audiences, and how do you expand beyond just kind of the the core that you've been doing? So I, when I first started, um, I was like, well, I, there wasn't really a company I can mimic my business model off of. Uh, so I started, I have customers that need and I have customers that have. So I started listing all the different types of customers I would have. And um, it was overwhelming. And so I started grouping them together by similar interests. What do they care about? You know, so I can um, kind of redefine and get a target audience um, that's not too defined. And so I tackled um, one of my target audiences, which is what gave me a nationwide network. But I just now started penetrating the religious segment. And like I said, I had a huge uh, overwhelming response. Uh, corporate catering is really good for us too. Those those naturally gravitate to us. Their business model is they're usually doing breakfast or lunches. They'll start at 5 a.m. They're done by 2 p.m. And, so, and they're definitely not there on the weekends. And so we, we had huge success setting up either virtual restaurants in the evening or once again, matching them with um, meal prep services and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. Those customers can onboard in 10 minutes. It takes 10 minutes to build a listing. Um, but generally, because I'm tackling kind of these nonprofits and, and depending on their demographics, some are very familiar with technology. And so there's a little bit more of a hands-on process to start getting them into today's world. And so that's what I mean. Um, I've only hit two of like the seven on who have commercial kitchens so we have plenty of opportunity um and then yeah so so tell me how the process works so you know like you said right now it's just in denver uh but growing it's going to grow very fast and very soon um as we get into 2022 and and into the the heart of the year but talk to me about the logistics um let's say i'm a i'm a restaurant and I'm listening to this, and I, I know I've got unmet capacity, and this sounds cool, and I want to uh, put my space up there so that I can rent it out. Tell me how that works, and then I want you to talk about the the flip side, just the logistics of how somebody says, this is great, this is perfect, I really only need a kitchen for you know 12 hours a week. H- how do I go about doing that? Start with one, and then let's talk about the other. Okay, so if you're a commercial kitchen, you simply go to purebrands.com. You're going to hit sign up. It's a quick form just to get into the system. And then on the top right hand corner, you're going to say list your space. You're going to select commercial kitchen. It's a three step process. And each step takes um, maybe as five five screenshots or five steps. Um, and all we're doing is collecting the information about your kitchen. What type of equipment do you have in there? Upload photos. What are your rules? Because in, in Every host can set their own rules and their own pricing. Um, And then there's your calendar. So when are you available? And they can block it out. They can put their times of operations and that's it. It comes to me and I check check the listing and make it live. Um, And so basically the onboarding process is really smooth and it gives them instructions every step of the way with pictures and examples. Um, And it even explains uh, legally the rules in order to do this. Like I need you to separate space vertically, not horizontally, so on and so forth. And we also capture how much dry, cool and freezer storage they have available because that's important. Mm-hmm. Quick onboarding, and then as far as a customer that wants to book, once again, you're going to hit the sign-up form. All you do is look, book, and cook. So you're basically looking for a kitchen that suits your needs. You can even plug in um, on the checkout process if the hours are available or not. Um, you can message the host internally within our system and ask them for a tour, and they'll give you a tour. And then once um, they've connected, then that's when the process starts. So they're saying, okay, I'm, I've taken a tour. I like this, um, this host that uh, is going to have me in their kitchen. Let's start the process. And all we do is then um, issue the paperwork and documentation they need in order to get their license 
distancing, uh, we assist with that, and then they just book as they need. Awesome. I, I think it's, so. I mean, it really, it sounds easy. It really is that easy. It really is that easy. So you could be up and running. If you were small business owner just trying to look for space, you could be up and running in a, a week or two. You could be, yeah, if you're, if, yeah, pretty much. Absolutely. Once, um, once you've made that connection, we got all the proper, proper paperwork in place. Um, and then all my kitchens are already certified, meaning they've already gone through health inspection and stuff like that. So there's no issues with the restaurateur getting their license. Awesome. Where, where is this going? I mean, I, you know, it, it sounds like uh, world domination is in your future, but, but talk to me about like, I know it's, I know, Every everybody who builds something has a vision for what they think it's going to be in five years or ten years when it's when it's clicking on all cylinders. Can you talk to me a little bit about? I mean, you're solving a need here uh, on both sides, which seems really valuable. And like I said, I, I love I love this idea. I think it helps so many people, and I appreciate the generosity. Talk to me about your vision for when this thing really gets to the point um, that you think it can get to. It's uh, truly about how much good and, and how much impact we could have on our communities. So we're already, you know, perpetuating local ecosystems and that's great and helping solving problems. But you're absolutely right. Um, I think collectively, the more users I get and since I spend every day advocating for them, it gives them a voice, a larger voice. I can't wait till I have so many small business restaurateurs on my platform that I can actually negotiate down the rates with DoorDash like they do with the big corporations because my small businesses as an individual entity don't get the same type of treatment they're not number one when you sign on to those apps and they're definitely not negotiating those rates down and so collectively what can we do um, to help solve the problems that they're facing i can also tell you i have locations that are kind of um, in the middle of the mountains or kind of out in the middle of nowhere where those uh, rural rural areas haven't quite you know become robust or anything uh, like that so they could still use my service to start but what i did find is a lot of those locations are in hot zones that usually like a wildfire will break out or um, emergency services are needed so can i not work with the colorado Pre uh, preparedness uh, or emergency foundation and say hey we got a wildfire over there i know how many kitchens i have out there how much storage is out there and i have food trucks on my platform can we now migrate people to go help service our servicemen you know the, there's there's so many ways i can go and, and and scale not just commercial kitchen or geographic wise i can tell you right now that um cold storage is, can be roughly three dollars a cubic foot here in the timber market but then freezer storage jumps up to 14 cubic feet that means there's a lack of freezer storage and so how can we fix that and that's not just using our commercial ki kitchen units can we drop walk-ins in certain places and stuff like that so my job is to take corporate strategy and but apply it for these small businesses and a lot of your um, main uh, franchises they have the privilege of buying chicken when it's cheap and storing it until they need it well why can't we do that i mean it sounds as you say it it sounds equal parts um uh simple uh overly overly simple and and yet it also sounds uh, really complicated that how do you how do you connect so many disparate parts and uh, yeah i mean ad advocacy is one thing but how do you how do you begin to do that what are some of like the low-hanging fruit that you know where you can be able to help uh, because of your you know kind of collective weight as far as like like emergency services i just have my developers build a button that automatically sends an email out to my food trucks and automatically sends an email out to my hosts and this is the thing right that would be planned out with whatever um department i work with to service that and so yes it, as easy as it sounds everything does take time and it's a lot harder than what you yeah um but as far as, as storage and stuff like that it's once again like can i place a freezer unit here i know i have i have waiting lists and i i capture all this information so i know what's in demand where and so can i simply drop a walk in there and will it will i make money off of it while decreasing the prices yeah that's not too hard actually you know huh. so it's almost just uh there's a part of this that's just straight real estate just just square footage yeah 
I, it's everything. It's like, how do I monetize your square footage? And whether it's a kitchen, I mean, down to the dry, cold and, and freezer storage, like I said, that's in cubic feet. So, um, and sometimes generally when I'm talking to the restaurateurs, let's say if they have a kitchen, I'm like, how much is your rent plus your overhead? Well, it's this much amount. Okay, let's divide that by how many hours are in a month. So this is roughly how much this costs you hourly. Well, when I bring in a restaurateur, I'm doubling that. Yeah, it's funny. It reminds me of like Amazon, right? Like Amazon started building these huge servers, you know, these huge warehouses as servers because they needed the processing power. And then at a certain point, they realized like, Oh, there's a there's a need for for storage, and I mean now half the internet runs on these uh, Amazon, uh, you know, AWS the the server uh, service, and you know at some point they were, at some point they realized that like oh oh actually people just need the thing the thing that we started building for ourselves let's just build a warehouse that's twice as big and just rent out half of it to the internet which they've uh, which they've largely largely done it's. It's not that dissimilar, it seems to me, where you're, you get to peek behind the curtain and you see what the needs are and you can start uh, almost acting like the, a landlord yourself and, you know, building the walk-ins and, and stuff like that to, uh, to serve a, an unmet need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can tell you I'm not going to do this, but I have a bunch of food <laughs> trucks that hang out in a certain area, but they need, you know, access to propane. Like, can you create a service around just going and filling their tanks? Absolutely. Yeah. In general, I mean, maybe, like you said, Chip, like I went to, like told you, I went to school and I freaked out and I'm like, well, maybe it did work out because I'm, anytime I see a problem, it's really just an opportunity. And just with my marketing background, and everything like that, it's like, oh, there's a problem, you know? So that's all. I it is. This is the thing that I that I find that a lot of um, this is the thing that I really try to spend a lot of time talking about on this show um, and with my clients, right? Really getting, uh, making sure that operators understand really what marketing is, right? We, we think about uh, of marketing as all the stuff we do to get people, but really it's it's much more foundational, which is that identify somebody with a need, answer their prayer, and they're they're gonna they're gonna come and pay you whatever you tell them. Uh, because if you're thirsty in the desert, you'll pay whatever the price is for, for water in, in the desert. Um, and you apply that analogy to, to any industry, any market, any you know anything in the world. Um, the same thing is true. It, it really starts with identifying a problem and then solving that problem and and then finding a, a way to, to, you know, solving it in a compelling way and finding an interesting way to tell people, hey, look, I solved that problem, right? It's I know you have a problem. I know this is what it is. And I solved that. I mean, that's that's all we have to do, uh, you know, and I, I say that tongue in cheek, but that's all we have to do as business owners is make sure people know that we see their problem, we've solved their problem, and they can trust us to solve their problem. That's what helped me, you know, be successful, Chip, is, I, you know, and when I first um, started knocking on doors, I didn't come to them and say, hey, I have your, a solution. I mean, I spent two years with them listening to why why are we in this situation in the first place? What happened within your organization? Talking to members and stuff like that where they think, you know, they start stop losing donations or what type of external um, factors hit that, you know, affected their business. And then it's mm -hmm. like, well, we could this, you know, then you offer the solution. But yeah, listening, listening can be huge. Listening is, um, I mean, that's, I mean, you talked about market research. I mean, that's all it is. It's it's listening and, and looking and, and, you know, making sure you really understand um, the population, really making sure you understand the market within the population, uh, which is, which is again, no matter what uh, product, service, experience in any market, in any industry in the world, it's the same, it's the same thing and the same rules. So... Talk to me about when these other cities will get online. When do you think this will happen um, in the next few months, in the next year, in the next couple of years? When The next few months. And which are the first markets outside of Denver that you think are going to happen? So we've already penetrated Arizona and Idaho, but I'm going straight to California. And um, then probably your Chicago, your New York. Um, basically, I've been building waiting lists and so on and so forth. So when I hit five, maybe 10 users that are like asking for a specific area too, that helps guide me right there. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, usually already have a location. So then I know it will get booked out and I'm not straining my resources completely. So, yep. And so this is just a straight, like an Airbnb, right? You go on, you look for a space, 
that has the equipment you need and you look for, you know, you, you make sure the price is right and you just pick one that fits your budget? Is it is it really that simple? Yeah, it's that simple. So the host I advertise, it's your schedule or your space, your schedule, your extra revenue. So they actually, through their onboarding process, can pick um, their schedule, but they're also their price points based on activity. So your pop-up restaurant um, is probably going to cost more because you have the event space, you're using their um, plates, stuff like that, rather than just a basic commissary service. Your virtual restaurant is going to cost more as well because now we're bringing in foot traffic and we're using the kitchen more so they set the pricing what i did establish though chip because it's so new and a lot of people are just sitting on their commercial kitchen space they didn't really know how to price it so i came up with this fair and square pricing policy that my customers can opt for um soon it will be a badge on the listing but you could still see it on the listing that they've opted for that and what that does is let me come in and price it under market value to drive sales and i'm not too cheap where they're not making any money but basically i could beat out any competitor interesting how do you how do you determine that how do you begin to set those that pricing i assume it's kind of a complicated call around process <laughs> well yeah so it's, it's a supply and demand thing and it's also like i said they can they can book as they go but the whole system's di dynamic and agile so i've had three kitchens sign up on the same street now they're going market rate was 17 18 bucks an hour but now since three people signed up on that street so the restaurateur has more options they had to drop their prices to get someone in the door and so that was very interesting to see you know because now now they're looking at each other's listings and oh well he dropped well i'm gonna drop my price you know yeah. and then the one that dropped the price sooner is the one that started filling up quicker and so you know it's just it's it, it varies but generally you can look at competition in the area surprisingly when i entered into idaho it's more expensive than the denver market i couldn't believe huh. it i just oh very interesting you know and so be it and we're you know we just stay stay the low cost carrier and what i mean by that is we're a little bit cheaper we're not you know a, you know cents on a dollar or anything yeah so it's it's interesting though as you as you bring this up you you know I mean with all your marketing background you you know the the kind of danger of getting into the commodity game where it's where it's really just you know a race to the bottom how do you how do you guard against that as you as you move forward have you given thought to that yeah absolutely what I found so I'm like yeah we'll price it you know being the low cost carrier at any time is really a good idea um, I actually found that when some prices were raised in certain areas we had more. Um, more interest and so what 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 you gotta understand is it's not just um hey we're giving you a commercial kitchen but it's in a private setting you're not you're not in a huge commissary with a bunch of your competitors um where it could be clean or dirty i've heard horror stories from these commissaries um so just the fact that they get to be kind of by themselves with their team they're willing to pay more for and the yeah. fact that they're closer to home and they don't have to drive an hour and traffic and all the gas they're willing to pay more for that you know yeah. and so you don't necessarily have to be the low-cost carrier um and so when the when i uh raised prices in a particular area i got more traffic you know yeah for sure um, I, I love this so much. Um, I'm going to ask you, um, what have I not thought to ask yet? I, I mean, I'm just so kind of in love with this thing that you're building because it solves problems all the way around. And again, there's just such generosity in it. What, um, what else is interesting about this product that I, that I am not thinking of to ask? What else should people know about it? What's interesting is a lot of private chefs and restaurants that were being ran from their home came out of the woodworks. So um, that was a little bit more alarming uh, than what I initially thought. I knew that um, the way we were providing the service, people would start coming out of the home, especially opening up access and, and so on and so forth. But it didn't really is how many people. Now, private chefs have different rules, but running a restaurant and selling your food you should pretty much be in a commercial kitchen. And I was really surprised at how many people were doing that from their home. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I think that's that's something that just boggled my mind through this whole process. <laughs> I really thought like uh, the health department and stuff like that, you know, really monitored the industry, but it's, it wasn't as monitored as I thought. 
it gets really dangerous and I, I only know this through New York which is that you know it, it it's all well and good until somebody uh, calls the health department about you know potential food poisoning or something and then when they when they discover it's in a residential kitchen they drop the hammer so hard <laughs> I have heard of a, a couple of stories here in New York City and we've got a similar kind of rating system as California has with the letters and all that and it's um they take it very very seriously I think they need to um, establish something like that here in Denver. Yeah, it's been, I, I guess they started it like 10 or 12 years ago out here, and it's been uh, and it's been a good thing. But yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of people, and, and I imagine out of the pandemic as well, where people were just trying to figure out how to make ends meet, and they just thought, okay, well, I'll go make, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll make tamales out of my kitchen, I'll make cupcakes, I'll make, you know, and then go sell them outside um which you have to appreciate but uh yeah there's a whole there's a whole other side of that that's really interesting danielle i've uh, i've really loved this conversation um do you have ever uh do you have any interest in getting back into the restaurant side of things the operation side of things or are you happy to be on this matchmaking side i am ex- I'm, I'm happy to be on the matchmaking side i i have had people be like well since you solved your problem are you going to go ahead and execute that you know uh healthy fast food concepts that you worked so hard on for many years and it's always stayed in the back of my mind uh no i'm not going to um start a restaurant of any kind i just actually got a proposal because i have these shipping containers that are fully uh self-sustained that we could drop on like the 16th street mall and um dirt cheap so you can basically with that service start a restaurant downtown for three thousand dollars a month and so uh due to the pandemic some people are struggling you know to uh, build up capital to buy a food truck or even a shipping container so they've been kind of sitting there and um the owner was like well what about you i'm like oh no you know I'm like, <laughs> yeah, such a good money making opportunity like i had to think about it um but no because along along my journey chip so not only you know we focus on commercial kitchens but sometimes i come across event venues and bars and stuff like that where they just want someone to run it so i put in staff you know and stuff like that and mm-hmm. expand you know my personal portfolio and stuff yeah uh I, listen I, I you've got your hands full with uh with building this and growing this and all of that um i want to be respectful of your time uh, i really appreciate you chatting with me about this and uh, by extension the the listeners hopefully um they uh they got something out of this and and i'm sure there are uh there are many people uh going to be chomping at the bit to um uh to find out when these other uh markets are going to open um where can people go learn uh, about um about the company about uh, and you know kind of be first to hear when these new markets open up they could just simply go to purebrands.com and then on the footer section there's a subscribe link if you want updates of um when we're entering markets and what our list of inventory is they can also chip since we're prepared to scale if any of your operators are interested in service they're more than happy to sign up right now so they're they can uh, contact us via purebrands.com either or contact us they could build a listing or they can email us and we'll get started awesome so they can they can help uh they can help tip the scales in in their direction of their market <laughs> Um, Danielle, uh, any last words of wisdom that you have for the listeners? Uh, it's a it's an audience of chefs, operators, managers, marketers, people all deeply embedded in the restaurant industry. Um, it's been quite a, a couple of years here, but uh, anything to pass on to them from from your journeys and kind of your experience and wisdom that you've picked up? Yeah, you know, this I'm so passionate about this company because I'm extremely concerned for the state of small businesses. Yes, it's always been a volatile industry, but our small business restaurateurs are not going to, they can't keep up with the, the huge tech technology um, kind of boom and automation that's coming and stuff like that. So in general, um, if if you're going to order from your small business restaurateur and you're going to use a third-party service at least ask them uh which company they prefer but just try and support them by going in and try and keep you know ordering small businesses please uh, from small small business restaurateurs 
Other than that, anyone that would like to reach out, they're more than welcome to. Excellent. Well, we're going to... We're coming to help. <laughs> yeah. No, listen. I mean, this is... I feel like I say this at a lot of interviews, um, and I just find that I'm really kind of drawn to generosity. Um, there's this Zig Ziglar quote that I always love to kind of throw out there because it's become... Uh, it's really defined me, my work, um, you know, how I how I go about my day-to-day, which is, so Zig Ziglar was a, you know, famous sales guru through the 70s, 80s, 90s, and he wrote a bunch of books and uh, this famous collection of CDs, and um, he's kind of the godfather of modern marketing. Um, certainly anybody who goes through marketing kind of knows uh, this, but this idea of bringing empathy into, into our work as marketers. Uh, but his famous quote says, uh, you can get anything in life you want as long as you help enough other people get everything they want. And it's really defined, again, who I am, how I go about my work, um, how, I, how I go through my day-to-day. And I find I'm really drawn to people who kind of bring generosity to their work because it's, it's fine to make money. Uh, there's a lot of people that make money. There's a lot of businesses that make money. Um, but I think there are a lot of businesses out there that aren't making money, and I think we can um, be generous and show them uh, how to make money or, or help them in the ways that we, that we know how to. And um, I think the thing you're building um, – feels very much in that uh, in that pocket so i appreciate that thank you chip i appreciate you my pleasure thank you so much for joining us again all the links are going to be on the show notes danielle have a great night you too talk to you soon once again i want to thank danielle for taking the time out of her day to chat with us all of the links are in the show notes go check out what she's doing this is brilliant i was talking to uh, danielle uh, just earlier before we uh, before we started talking that I, um, we're gonna have to have her back because uh, i know what they're planning and i know the ramp up that's going to come over the next three or six months so maybe halfway through 2022 uh, we'll bring her back to talk about the expansion and the explosion uh, i hope you enjoyed today's conversation if you haven't done this in a while please go to uh, apple podcast leave us uh, five star rating and a review uh let people know uh what you've gotten out of the show what what you've uh what you've enjoyed some takeaways uh help us find other people like us or help others find us find the tribe i uh, really appreciate it again restaurant strategy podcast go find us on apple podcast leave us a five-star rating and review uh be well stay creative and i will see you next week